Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, who are, well, we're back intermittently throughout this World Cup process. We sort of sacked it off last week, uh, and almost sacked it off again this week, I fear, and probably will sack it off again next week when I can't record because England are on on the Sunday. Uh, Joining us today, of course, uh, alongside myself, is Max Saito and Sam Longdon. How are you both doing? You know, not too badly. I mean, <laughs> I'm absolutely fine for my life right now. I've got no monitor, so I'm back on my phone. The internet's just on the brink of some horrible collapse into this, some sort of terrible internet singularity, which will start sucking information into it. Maybe and um, like, other than that, fine. It'll become like weird, cell shaded 3D kind of. No, it, it's like, um, it's like, um, you know how they created all like the smart motorways and then they realized they were fucking terrible and having to undo them. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. creating this, it's like my internet's trying to create the smart information superhighway, uh, but it's much worse. <laughs> oh, and how are you doing there, Sam? I'm great. I've come down with an incredibly mild almost negligible case of World Cup soccer fever. Yeah, it's soccer fever. Woo! Yes. We're not here to talk about soccer, up. No, we're here we to talk about we're hit, soccer. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Don't cry for me. I'm in Argentina. All right, anyway, let's... Um... <laughs> Let's let's uh, let's get this shit on the road because there are quite a lot of actual prime timey games here because obviously it was Thanksgiving on Thursday. Was um, that Tim Vickery? No, it's Chris Tarrant. Uh, <laughs> a man who exudes Tim Vickery. <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, we actually we had three games this. Thanksgiving, as always, featuring the Lions, the Cowboys, and a random team in primetime. And let's start with the Detroit Lions, who played out a 28-25 to loss against the Buffalo Bills, but wasn't plain sailing for Buffalo. Detroit Lions seem to be heading into their berserker territory, where sitting at 4-7, and seven, they're about to get Jameson Williams back. They uh, they could cause a, they could upset the apple cart a few times. And Monroe sent Brown popping off for 9 catches, 122 yards. Um, but obviously wasn't quite enough to end up taking the win as Tyler Bass kicked the game-winning field goal. Did anyone enjoy this game? I know I did. Yeah, it was it was great. The the Lions are there's a pretty big like connection between the Lions playing well and actually playing a team that plays slightly better. But it, it makes for a good game. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Um, I don't really have many notes about this one. Um, just the the team that was better won on the day. I'm not really worried about either of... Well, I'm not really worried about the Bills because they get held by the Lions here because I think realistically there is a shot for the Lions to do this to a couple teams. I'm not sure what the rest of their schedule looks like, but they could easily, you know take the Vikings into overtime or something when they play them next or if they've got a game against the Cowboys or something coming up they could easily take any of that 
going forward. So yeah, I'm not I'm not at all worried um, about Buffalo. Um, I'm just mildly enthused about the Lions actually being worth watching on a Thanksgiving. Because uh, does anyone remember when we got uh, David Blau versus um, Tim Boyle? Was it? Uh, no, it was Trubisky, wasn't it? Well, Trubisky got injured like in the first quarter. I seem to remember. So we did have a David Blau game against, I think, Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle and David Blau were both on the Lions. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Uh, oh, it was Chase Daniel. That's who it was. It Tyler was... Bray. No, I th- feel great. And we borrow one of yours. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like it was just nice to have this early window game and have it not be a complete snore um on a on a Thursday evening after a long hard day at work. So yeah. Especially when World Cup games run as well. Could not be dealing with Lions Bills trying to eat into my Brazil Serbia time. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think it was Brazil Serbia on that day. That might have been Sunday actually. Oh no, Sunday was Germany Spain. But yeah, um, no, it was um, it was a, it was a fun game to watch. Um, which you know the Lions game. Like remember when it was uh, Joe and Troy they were just openly slagging that game off. Like yeah, <laughs> just like it was just like a, a joke. So. It's pretty good. Um, you're right. I'm not worried about the Bills. There was a stat. I've just been looking this up. But the last three Super Bowl champions, so the 21 Rams, the 20 Bucks, and the 2019 Chiefs, um, their records in November of the years they won the Super Bowl, the Rams were 0-3, the Bucks were 2-3, and and the Chiefs were 2-1, and and they had a bye as well, so... It is a trend the last few years of teams. Whoever, you know, closes out strong, all of those teams, well, the Rams lost the last game of the season against the 49ers in that overtime game, but the other two won four or five games in a row. So as long as the Bills close out strong, but they're still going to be there or thereabouts. So what you're saying is, is that if you have a strong November, you don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you're looking like a good team in November, fuck you. Yeah. Sorry, Cincinnati. Uh, you're not making... <laughs> it's terrible not... in September as well. Oh, November as well last year, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but they're having a good November this year. There's more my point. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. The Giants, funnily enough, are having a pretty uh, poor November. Let's uh, turn oh. our attention there. <laughs> Direct line to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Hooking up to my veins. We've had a bad November. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Dallas Cowboys 28, New York Giants 20. Sam, I assume that you'll be able to take the lead on this one and that you weren't only sort of briefly paying attention to your own team, right? <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, it, it started off quite well. There were some... If you looked at like the, you know, like Dax line score for this game and saw the two interceptions, you'd probably think it was like a bit of an off-color game for him given the last couple of weeks. But like two early interceptions and one of them was like tipped. Um, but he's like he's playing playing very well. It's uh, this was not the as close a game as twenty-eight twenty makes it feel like. Um, the the Cowboys defense was fucking ridiculous. 
they're gonna do some damage in the playoffs, and the Giants uh, probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> they just did a very good job in uh, about every aspect, and it was it was a bit disappointing. But I like no one thought this was going to go any differently. That's entirely fair. Um, I've got a quick question about this one, just in particular. I, I know that I asked it sort of five weeks ago, and obviously a lot can change in the NFL. Mike Parsons is still favorite for Defensive Player of the Year, right? Another two sacks in oh, this game. Oh God, yeah. He's just. Every it seems like every week he's he's showing up on the box score making an absolute mess of the other team. Um, those game records are the ones that should always be like in in at least the top two for defensive player of the year. Mike Parsons is is just playing his out of his mind right now. Um, I'd be yeah. I'd be happy to just give it him now. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like, he, he kind of felt inevitable for a lot of this game. Like, I don't know what his... I don't know what his stat for pressures was, but it sure felt high. Like, it, Daniel Jones had, like, 14 yards rushing this game. Kind of tell how bad slash good it went by how many yards he has on the ground. Because if you kind of take away the aspect of their, of their offense, everything else kind of crumbles... Because the receivers ain't shit, so they did. They did have like a, a touchdown taken off the board for like a, an ineligible receiver downfield, I think, um, which I think was horseshit. But they they wouldn't have deserved to get anything out of this game, realistically. Biting, <laughs> uh, biting critique. Yeah, he's he's like it, the amount he got like nine pressures this game. It, it, he's consistently like the sacks aren't really there, or like you know forced fumbles or anything like that. But he he's so consistently getting pressure. It's he's 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 a turned out to be a very nice pick. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, I'll go along with that. Um... Fair play. It feels like the Giants have definitely turned a corner of, of, you know, actually acquiring talent that that is is worth it. Um, hopefully, they can carry on kicking on. Really, um, yeah. Just yeah, cause... and I think this game is a, a good opportunity to. I mean, the, like the Giants are seven and four. This is far beyond uh, like any Giants fans' hopes for this season, but uh, like. It's it's good to keep perspective for when they get into the playoffs and get like monstered in the first wild card game because the the talent like for the most part like the coaching's great and the play calling's great but the talent just isn't there and that will continue for a short while. <laughs> it does feel like the. The Giants could close out on like a one and five skid or something like that. Well, the, um, they've got like two games against the Commanders coming up in the next three weeks, I think. Who are kind of looking like a bit surging. of a I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great year for the NFC East and for fans of like novelty headwear. But yeah, <laughs> it was it was a it was a good like bringing everyone back down to earth game. All right, entirely fair. Okay, um, 
then on the final game of Thanksgiving, we had the New York, uh, sorry, the New England Patriots losing twenty six uh, to thirty three at US Bank Stadium. Uh, Vikings and their primetime purples, they showed up. Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk, um, had a pretty nice day. He went thirty of thirty seven for two hundred ninety nine yards with three touchdowns. Um, threw a pretty, pretty. Typical primetime kick pick that almost let the Patriots back into it on, uh, I think it was in the third quarter when he threw that pick. But outside of that, just a very clean game. Justin Jefferson as well, keeping on rolling, keeping his momentum going. Um, the Vikings improved to 9-2, and two, which puts them just second again in the NFC, which is, uh, I mean, it must be it must be bloody nice, Fred, to be able to celebrate some Vikings there. Uh, Vikings wins. I will say though, for the for what feels like the first time in years, I think the Patriots got kind of screwed here by the refs. Um, oh, couple, yeah, couple real bad blown calls. One of them on a Hunt Henry touchdown catch. Um, however, I won't feel sorry for them because this is just karma for twenty for twenty eighteen. So fuck you, New England. Uh, you didn't deserve <laughs> shit. Uh, and the Vikings were deserved winners on the day. Yeah, this was like the Patriots have kind of run most teams into the ground this year, and that absolutely did not happen today. Like Vikings kind of stuffed their own game pretty quickly, but like this was a great passing game, I think, from Mac Jones. Like. And I mean the the receiving core for Patriots is a bit um suspect. Yeah. Five and, players with sixty or more receiving yards. And it felt like quite a quite a bit of that came after the catch as well, but not not in the sort of sense of a yeah. um a receiver duking players consistently. It felt more like they had good blocking on screen plays. They had a bit of trickery, and and also the Vikings sort of struggled a bit at, at open field tackling at times. But I wouldn't say that the the receiving core of Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers, and Kendrick Bourne are really good enough to carry them going forward. And yet, Mike Jones made it work, because he still went 28 of 39 with 382 yards and two toddies. Should have been three. He really needed that bounce back as well after that Jets game, where he yeah. looked absolute, the absolute pits. I mean, he played almost as badly as, as Zach Wilson did, although they did move the ball in that game, which the Jets could be, so they did. Yeah. Um, he got, it, kind of really got let off the hook a little bit because all of the attention was on Wilson. So, yeah, good to get exactly. the bounce back. But, but Patriots fans were definitely talking about it. But, yeah, it's huge for them. I think the Patriots just lack star power in offense. Like you said, they've just got a bunch of guys. I mean, their running backs are pretty good. And, I mean, Damian Harris is out for the year now, isn't he? But Ramondre Stevenson's pretty good. They just don't have anyone who they can go to time and time again who's who's going to win one-on-ones reliable, well, on like a reliable basis. So. They're kind of going to be <laughs> pretty much mired in, in mediocrity. I mean, they as a team, they don't really have... Who's their star player as a team? Like, Matthew Judon, maybe? Yeah, it's, it, um, for yeah. me, it'd be yeah. Judon, who's having an absolutely all-pro level year. He sort of... Matthew Judon sort of 
if I could describe his career, it'd be a roller coaster because he'll have years like in 2020 where he, he absolutely balled out. I think he had 14 sacks on the year, was playing great for the Ravens, and then the year after just didn't really contribute anything. And now this year, playing really well again. So maybe give him like a three-year deal and try and catch him in the middle of those like cycles so you get two good years instead of one. Um, but yeah, fair play. Yeah, this this was a quite a. I was expecting the Vikings to feel like Christian Darathor not being there a bit more, but the the line held up very well. Um, I do think it's like obviously I take pleasure from the Patriots kind of eating shit in an unfair way, but like, can you imagine anything like annoying Bill Belichick more than like? losing a game with admittedly some blown calls to your own previous backup quarterback. I don't know, he's been around for so long, it probably happens more often. You know, he probably knows... <laughs> more often <laughs> yeah. than not. Yeah. He probably knows just about everyone, right? I don't think he's... Yeah. The most... Like, 90%, upwards of 90% of NFL head coaches have played or will play as a backup quarterback for the New England Patriots. Yeah, that is true. Matt LaFleur is due to play as a backup there next year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a good job Matt Rule has another job now, because that, uh, that might have got might have been a rough show. Alright, let's uh, turn our attention then away from Thanksgiving into the Sunday night football game where the Green Bay Packers travelled to the link and were pretty pretty swiftly dispatched by the Philadelphia Eagles the scoreline being 40 to 33 kind of feels like a little bit of a, a sort of false reflection just a tad um but it was a hell of a game for the sort of old school football purists in the sense of just hard nose running but also no air yards whatsoever for either side. Jalen Hurts, 17 carries, 157 yards. Miles Sanders, 21 carries, 143 yards. And on the other side of the ball, you know, AJ Dillon had 64 yards on eight carries and a touchdown. Aaron Jones had 43 yards on 12 carries, but again, also had 56 yards in basically just a bunch of screens and swings. So... It was it was very old school, and I could kind of see that being the case for the Eagles' wins a lot this year. Very old school football. It'll help them. Um, it'll help them in the pl- in the in the postseason being able to play like this. I don't think it was like a stomping this game, but it was just the Packers just got run over on defense, and the offense couldn't keep up. Like, although it, it it's probably not as close as it looks. It, like, they just couldn't get a stop. They couldn't pull within touching distance. And the Eagles felt comfortable. Like, they, they had whatever they wanted all day. So, yeah, I think um, you're right. Because we, we had talked about how at the start of the year, running was definitely their identity, the Eagles. But they kind of had a month there where they kind of phased off it a little bit. So this will this will be great for their confidence. Yeah, we, we were sort of not... Not overly expressing like huge concern, but it was just a little bit unnerving to see them sort of. They picked up that first loss against the Commanders, and then they didn't really get right after the bye, and it felt just a tiny bit like they'd lost their momentum, they'd lost their steam. 
but putting up 40 points and just having anything that they wanted on the ground game that'll help big time um sam i know that because ed isn't here um you said that you were going to get in one really unnecessarily critical jalen hurts take have you got that for us right now yeah throw the ball you bitch all right, sweet. Um, I know you're running for seven yards a clip on the ground, but don't be a coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare you run for 9.2 average yards and only throw for... Hang on, let me do they that. 9.2 average yeah. yards in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It, uh, this team is kind of scary. Like, I know they have off weeks, but... I've kind of. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to go there off off a bye in January or late January. Yeah, because the link as well. Like when that Philly crowd starts getting behind the team, if you can get the if you can get the boobirds out, then it, it's it's a different beast. But when the Philly crowd are on are on form, I mean, we saw it when they won the Super Bowl when the whole crowd were behind them oh. with that whole underdogs movement and shit. Everybody was showing up to the game in in like rubber masks and and like hounding teams. They they yeah. did look like Wait. a completely different entity. Yeah, I'm glad someone picked up on that one. Yeah, keep hounding. <laughs> yeah, I mean when when there's an incredibly high likelihood of getting like clocked by a glass bottle, uh, you you they don't sell glass bottles anymore. Oh, yeah. they bring them in. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So they've got, they've got instead of metal, you go through the metal detectors and Philly, then you have to go through the glass detectors. Yeah, or they, there's a there's a set of diehard fans that bring in eight liter demijohns for when they have another high snap. Wow. They just go down to their local craft tap house of four and get through <laughs> the empty growlers. <laughs> oh, um. The Eagles are going to get Jordan Davis back. Um, he's opened up his 21-day well, practice window, which is huge, to be honest. To add to Sue and Everson, not Everson, who else have they got there? Uh, Linval Joseph. They've yeah. still obviously got you know Brandon Graham. Fletcher yeah. Cox is still there? Fletcher Cox yeah. is still there. I don't know <laughs> if he's healthy right now. I think that they brought in Sue to do that. But yeah, they might just be able to play with like four nose tackles on the field at any point. <laughs> what are you going to do cool. then? Run a jet sweep. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, speaking of like, I mean, they're getting Jordan Davis back, but uh, the surprising and kind of scary injury news is that uh, CJ jo- uh, Gardner-Johnson had lacerated kidneys in this game. That's why he went out, which is... Um, not great. You never really like to see somebody pick up lacerated kidneys. Mm. Ouch. Um, Which other so... Packers play the Eagles? People just get their shit rocked. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. These teams just hit <laughs> the crap out of each other. I don't, I don't know why. Obviously, Rogers went out of this game with an injury. Um, unfortunately, he says the news is good, so he wants to play against Chicago. I mean, you're four and eight. I don't think it's that important. Like, no, but he unless, wants. He unless wants you're going to retire this summer. But he like, is Paran Podgers. Like he stat pads against the Bears. Stat pads. <laughs> <laughs> if he wanted to stat pad, he'd sit out. Padding out those interceptions. 
Oh no, he has been throwing a lot of interceptions this year. I think it's because in general he's just like trying to get the re- the rookie receivers involved more, which is naturally leads to more interceptions. But this, yeah, he's also just not as accurate. And he's saying you got the broken thumb and you've got a cracked rib or whatever. It's just like it's not really worth it. It's, it doesn't help anyone, does it? And the Packers, um, someone's. I mean, when you're gonna they're gonna lose double digit games here, probably eleven or something like that. You got to think like. Um, Heads have got a role at that point, and if the quarterback's not leaving, and uh, you're not going to fire the head coach, probably the defensive coordinator. Because since um, remember when Rashawn Gary and like Devondre Campbell both got hurt like back to back weeks, the defense was bad before that, but now it's an interplanetary like awful. Yeah. So no spine, um, and even though they've been in the same system for like two years, there's still constant miscommunication. So that doesn't reflect well on the coordinator. The only thing for the Packers I would say is like maybe next year. When they've got Watson and Dobbs in there coming off a full summer, that might be good because Christian Watson looks like a real home run hitter. Um, he looks like he can house any crossing route. That that would be useful. He's got six touchdowns in his last three games. I think he, he averages like one touchdown for every second reception. So if he can, if these trends continue, hey. <laughs> yeah. like a couple of catches in this game, like. John Love didn't play like badly in real He played years, like but... well. He played well enough. Like I mean, yeah. the Eagles weren't really go- get- getting after him fully, but yeah. but like a lot of he, he showed more than he has done in his other yeah. few cameo. Like, uh, I mean, there was a, like a play or two to Christian Watson that was like all Christian Watson. Like, yeah, he just for it. He's just very fast. Yeah, yeah. It'd be right. good, um, like I said, it'd be good if Jordan Love played a game, like just a full game on a full week of preparation with the, with the ones. That'd be useful, but some people, some people don't know when to give up. <laughs> Ouch. All right, um, heading over then to Monday. I'll night see football. you in hell. <laughs> I, have, I have it lined up and everything. Come on now. I'll see you in hell. Perfect. All right. Um, Heading over then to Monday Night Football where the Indianapolis Colts hosted the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, gave the Steelers their first road win since week one in Cincinnati. 24-17 winners. Yeah, we've only won four games. Come on now. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah. that that does just happen. Um, But yeah, Colts' main storyline about this game will be Jeff Saturday, who has had a pair of pretty nice weeks in terms of his coaching career starting out. But this one was filled with pretty much every coaching error that you could possibly think of, including the cardinal sin, bad clock management, where with about a minute and 41 seconds left in the fourth quarter, uh, Matt Ryan completes a pass over the middle and... they don't call a timeout, so it's like, okay, all right. A minute 14 left. Matt Ryan takes a sack. Okay, we're not going to call timeout now. Okay. Uh, Matt Ryan then scrambles on the next play. Still no timeouts. Um, gets to a fourth and three after diving. Still no timeouts called. They finally then call one um, with about 21 seconds left in the game. <laughs> Meaning that they still have two timeouts left, but it's now fourth and three on Matt Ryan, who hasn't actually thrown the ball very well all game so far, to then try and feed it to any of his receivers 
Obviously, it doesn't work because Minka Fitzpatrick, who'd been jumping routes all game, makes a big game-saving and game-winning play, which begs the question, why did they not take a timeout for a minute and a half in the game that they, you know, could have done with not losing to a, a pretty... I mean, it was a bad showing from the Colts, but you... They still they still had life left at the end. Yeah. Somehow, this game got very weird in the third quarter. Um, first quarter, uh, well, first half, Matt Ryan I think had a total of uh, somewhere along the lines of fifteen net passing yards because of you know sacks and incompletions and basically not being able to complete a pass. Second quarter, uh, second half, actually doing all right, um, but it it was. Very much not a good showing from the defense, who uh, pretty much gave up like yards to practice squad players like Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane just all day on the ground. Um, also, nice game from Kenny Pickett as well. Um, had a couple touchdowns dropped, one that definitely should have been caught by Deontay Johnson. Um, but you know, had a had a nice game for the rookie. I think it's probably his most complete game. But the Colts will feel like this is a big opportunity lost because they just didn't play well. They had crucial errors all over the park. Uh, Jonathan Taylor sort of snapped at the ball on the goal line and fumbled it. And then there's just a really funny image of Chris Wormley like running in there to um, wrestle the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands who looked like he'd recovered the fumble. And then it turned out now there's a 300-pound lineman just ripping the ball away from poor Matt Ryan's cold, wrinkled fingers because <laughs> this man is cooked. Ouch. Um, yeah, the Colts, pretty moribund. They only really got any momentum off of a really nice return from Dallas Flowers, uh, who went 90 yards on a yeah. on a kick return right after half time. Other than another, that, they there were bad. Pretty big, like, there's another pretty big like kick return, wasn't there? They had they had so um, they had the sort of beating of the Steelers special teams unit quite a lot on on kickoff and punt returns. Um, they had I'm just trying to remember uh, remember the name of the other guy who was returning kicks and punts for them in the first half. I think it, Isaiah Rogers. Um, he was averaging thirty five point eight yards a return, which is you know a lot of ground given up. Um, the Colts had great field position quite a lot in this game. Just kept coughing it up. Just kept turning it over. Um, but yeah. Just a, just in total, a bad day for the Colts. But also a good game for the Steelers as well. Nice to see them actually picking up a, a win. Um, playing better than a truly poor team. Um, so yeah. That's all I have to say about that game, really. Anyone else? Sorry. <laughs> no, nothing for me, my friend. Um, I did. I mean, you might have said it just then when I had the bounce. But the like, this was this was a pretty nice Kenny Pickett game. Like it was. You wasn't did say it? that, yeah. I did say that, but I'm happy to go into it considering <laughs> that we went into Jordan Love and Christian Watson twice. So oh, I'm yeah. happy to I'm happy to say that Kenny Pickett had a really good game. Um, they just overall in the first half played really well. Um, his connection to George Pickens looks like 
a real difference maker so far already for our offense because um, they they actually spent quite a lot of time in the in the second and third teams during training camp, whereas uh, Trubisky was taking most of the first team reps. So it's quite understandable that Pickett's got his best connection with the guy that he was doing everything in training camp with, um, and not quite really hooking up with Deontay Johnson and, and Pat Fryermuth as well. To be fair, actually, he did have some really nice connections to Johnson and Fryermuth at, at points in the game. Um, but his main guy is really starting to emerge as, as George Pickens, um, who had another just complete highlight reel catch. Um, I'm hoping that he doesn't start believing his hype about the highlight reel catches, though. He had one play where Pickett sort of... <laughs> No, it can happen with the receiver where like they'll start wanting the sports center top ten plays play every time, and they'll start trying to go like one hand every play. Um, just just say that Deontay Johnson annoys you. No, no, no. I'm talking about George Pickens. I'm saying that George Pickens. I I, I don't want him to start getting into that like mindset of got to go for the one hand every time because. He um he tried one hand in a, a touchdown pass. Pickett did overthrow him a, a little bit, just a little bit. But if Pickens yeah. goes for it with two hands, I think he could come down with it. He's clearly got the the capability to do so. Um, I think Pickett could have um, just hit him uh, more cleanly. But your receivers as well, try not to go for it one handed next time, George, and you might come away with a touchdown there. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing else. Sweet. All right, let's turn our attention then to the Sunday slate where we've only really got three games that I think really need a proper deep dive um, and then everything else is just like news notes and score lines. And where better place to start the Sunday games than with a game that actually got delayed for 15 minutes and ran right into that second window, but I didn't mind. Because it was Trevor Lawrence running a clutch-ass drive, game winner, to beat the Baltimore Ravens 28-27. Jacksonville up at 4-7. and seven. And this was Trevor Lawrence's best game by far, in my opinion. Unbelievable onions on not only him, but Doug Peterson. Going for two right at the end of the game. Um, a hell of a game for the second-year player, who... Is really starting to warm up a little bit over the last few weeks. Started finally turning that corner, climbing over that wall, and now here he comes. Yeah, he kind of he he's starting to he's starting to like look like he could be what was advertised as opposed to last year. But I mean, he he went for like over three hundred yards, like really clean game like the i think the like quick game impressed me most like right at the end like he was he was hitting people like exactly where they needed to be and yeah it just i i I just can't understand how the ravens can keep doing this like they're seven and four and like they've 
they've shit the bed so badly in like pretty much every one of those losses that I feel like they deserve more. Yeah, they uh all all four of their losses they've been up by at least ten points in. Uh yeah. obviously the Dolphins, they uh lost to the Bills, I believe they were up by over ten points in that one. I think it was seventeen three at one point, I seem to remember. Then there was the Giants game where Jackson threw that sort of very costly turnover. And then the the um the game here against the Jags, like yeah, they they do just keep yeah. kind of blowing it a little bit every so often. Just, I feel like for the past few years, like what I understood as conventional wisdom was that they weren't exactly a team built to play from behind. But they they certainly can't play from ahead. I just don't understand what's happening. Can't play from behind, can't play from ahead. Where are they going to play from? A torso? They, they can play exactly... They can play at a tie incredibly well. Up in the collarbone sort of region. I see. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, really scraping the barrel here on the Stiff Upper Lip podcast. You try doing <laughs> NFL episodes during a World Cup, <laughs> you fucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, got... God forbid I miss a second of fucking like Tunisia, Denmark or something. Yeah. Big game. How will, how will I ever get back? Well, neither of them are going to be at the World Cup anymore. So there's your fucking. You took joke. a month off. You took a month of this podcast to read books and eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm like you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just different because. I feel like I've I've already reached the heights. Watching watching Barnsley's FA Cup run in like two thousand and eight, kind of reached the mountain top. And football doesn't really have anything left. Shut the hell up. Let's. let's... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add for this game, <laughs> and I just wanted to shut Sam up for a change. Yeah. I think yeah. I just said what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on then to the, uh, well, to the turf of Lumen Field, where the Seattle Seahawks fell to six and five to Josh McDaniels' frisky Raiders, forty to thirty-four. It's probably the first time that anyone's ever addressed the Raiders as frisky, um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much all on the back of Josh Jacobs. 303 combined yards on 39 touches. Absolutely zero stopping that man out of Alabama. Might have even been Georgia. I think it was Alabama. It was Alabama. <laughs> nice. I got you got a sort of you got a 50-50 shot. It's a flip of coin. Got it right, baby. Heads finally wins. <laughs> Just win, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a funny game. This the, Se- the Seahawks are a bit of a skid now, aren't they? What are they up to? Like they lost against the Bucks in Germany. They lost this game. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a just a two game skid at the moment. Uh, they beat the Cardinals, Giants, Chargers, and Cardinals beforehand. So, um, yeah, 
two win uh, two losses on the on the bounce. They've got a they've got a big uh, get back game against the Rams. Who'd have thought that we'd be saying that the Seahawks have got a huge like get right game <laughs> against the Rams? I, I what a bonkers season for the Seahawks. They'll just be happy with whatever happens from now, right? Surely. I don't know. Once you kind of get into playoff contention and you look good, you want to see it through. Right, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it would be a bit of a... You, you, when you start off that good, you definitely do recalibrate your expectations for the year. Yeah. I mean, like, this... Obviously, there were like there was an interception and there was another one taken off the board. But like, I I still think Gino played like pretty well. Like, if the if the Seattle defense was kind of performing more, then I don't think we'd be here. I mean, yeah, the, I think um... Seattle did have two punts to end there. <laughs> two <and laughs> yeah. performances this game, but still. Yeah, I I get kind of get the feeling that um when we talk about teams like the Seahawks and the like the Giants, I don't really think that the play their play in games like they both had this week it was really that much different to how they were playing when they were winning games marginally. Um. Both of those teams were winning games on, you know, on the edge of a knife at times. Yeah, on sheer pluck alone. So these kind of things are always going to happen. You just need to sort of have faith with it, I suppose, and not, um, not get into your own head and, and try going out of your way to change. Because, you know, you had a certain method that was bringing you success at the start of the year. So, yeah, to me, the Seahawks were need to keep going no risk it, no biscuit, because their defense isn't going to be isn't going to be a game. It's not going to win them games. So, Geno Smith needs to keep chucking it because that's what their strength has been all year. Well, they just need to keep moving the ball on offense, whether Geno chucks it or Kenneth Walker runs it. They didn't get the run game going at all here in this one, which yeah, I think against the either. Yeah, I think it's starting to become just a tiny bit of a concern. I. I I wonder if they were sort of getting quite a lot of really good performances out of Kenneth Walker when he first sort of came in. Or at the very least, they'd get like a couple of really good runs. But um, Rashad Penny was sort of their lead back. And when he went down, I don't know if that almost ruined their run game a little bit. Not to say that, obviously, I don't... I, I mean, I believe in Kenneth Walker. I think he's a, a great talent. But I feel like Rashad Penny, the way that he runs is able to make up for the O-line being bad. It reminds me a little bit like um, when Saquon Barkley, obviously that first year, the Giants O-line was dreadful. I'm not saying that they run the same way, but a good running back, if they're good enough at what they're doing and they're schemed well, they can still overcome that. I'm not sure whether or not Kenneth Walker at this stage in his career because he's he's only a rookie he's not ran the ball all that often so far for the Seahawks this year um whether or not him being a lead back and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer being his backups I'm not sure whether or not that's really paying off at the moment yeah Um, or it could just simply be that teams know what he can do now they're safe on him and and they're, they're afraid of him as a home run hitter so they're playing 
the run a lot more. Yeah, potentially. A lot of players who come in, I mean, we see it all the time, a lot of players who come into the league and they look really splashy, they'll have a period, they'll have this period that they have to go through, they have to work through it and and develop to come out through on the other side. And I think he's definitely got the tools to do that, so I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah. No, I, I believe in his career, but yeah, they, they probably could do with doing something just a little bit different, adding a couple extra rubs and wrinkles to their running game, because otherwise, like, yeah, it could it could really start to cost them a little bit. Because it wasn't on Gino this game. Um, it was just everything else just seemed to sort of fall around him a bit. Okay. Um, final game that we want to sort of break down on properly, I'd say, would be uh, Chargers 25, Cardinals 24. My main sort of point about this one is... Uh, that the Cardinals are paying Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury until 2027, which is a big yikes. Shades of Alan Pardew uh, at um, Newcastle gave him an, an extra long contract and it backfiring almost immediately because, oh my God, this team stinks. Yeah, and this is one of their better games. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this was one of their better games this year. But I think um, both these teams are kind of, you know, the, the chances are disappointing. They're both quite disappointing. They're both kind of uh, just seeing yeah. it out to the... Neither of these teams deserve our respect. Well. Well. Harsh to say that about our beloved chances. <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been so underwhelming this year. They've underperformed so consistently. I don't know if they have been un like inconsistent though. Sometimes they'll come out and they'll play really bloody well, like the games uh well last week against the Chiefs or they'll they did incredibly well against like I mean, I know that it was the Texans, but they did pretty well, pretty damn well against the Raiders <laughs> earlier on. They did all right against the, the, the them who shall not be named, and yet they also give up thirty-seven points to the Seahawks and don't score more than seventeen on the Niners. And uh, what are they like? What is this team? What are, oh, they, what doing? are they like? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... It's interesting to me, the two teams, whether their coaches will be there at the start of the next year, because there's different reasons, right? Brandon says had two years, and the Chargers are basically still stuck in the same place as when he took over. And the Cardinals should really be firing their coach, but as we just said, the amount of money locked up in is insane. Even though, to me, the one thing that's really different is that the culture and the Cardinals this year seems to have been hideous. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they seem to have no grip on this. Like, the team looks really bad. Like, the, the Chargers are disappointing and they're not inspiring anybody, but at least they're not going down in flames. I mean, they, they manage enough, like, consistent play to like scrape these things but like they had one good quarter this game it was like this 
I only watched the like forty minute version of this game. It was horrible. Like uh the entirety of the Chargers possessions were punt, 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 touchdown, touchdown in the second quarter, which was their one good one, and then field goal, punt, 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 touchdown. Like how how sustainable is this? Uh yeah, it's it is a it is a very valid point, I'd say. But I think Max is right about like the Chargers culture feels more like a team that's not well coached, but at least they 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 aren't they aren't like I mean it wouldn't surprise me if we were to hear stories in this off season about like player unrest and I don't want to pin it on I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin the whole thing on Kyler Murray because this is a coach's problem, but how much of that of this off season being taken up by Kyler Murray's contract dispute and then that one clause in his contract that was like you need to study film and now all of a sudden he's gone out missing for weeks on end and he's still not won a game since Modern Warfare Two came out and the the Cardinals still kind of just stink whether or not he plays or not and the only time that they've played well is when he hasn't played and I'm just wondering how much of that is because the leader of the team is a petulant child that has absolutely no grip on reality that was a big old leap in logic but but when a team has those sorts of things no but when when a team nobody's nobody's a natural leader in that no, and that Cardinals offense—they're all no. totally apathetic. But this is the thing: is like if you're going to pay a guy two hundred and fifty million dollars to be the leader of the team, you kind of want him to actually be the leader of the team. You, players that aren't great, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a great football player, but you get the impression that he's well liked by the car uh, by the Forty ers You get the impression that he's actually prepared to, you know, do a thing for the team's sake. I don't see Kyler Murray, and it's the same problem with Russell Wilson. I don't see either of those two as a player that the locker room actually wants to get behind in any way, shape, or form. And it means that they there are just going to be instances where this team just stinks. The well, locker room like, is a- appalling. I feel like that's only the case because, like, Kyler hasn't played great this year. That is not like a that's not like a secret. Like this game, like it is most, a secret. <laughs> most of their points were like Tyler making something out of nothing. Like when when the rest of the team, like especially on defense, does not show up, like and you end up with these like cascading losses. Like, of course, the culture is gonna be dog shit because like. I think if the culture was better and if the rest of the team performed better, it wouldn't be an issue. Like, it's not like you have to be Jimmy G to be, like, liked enough to be tolerated. Like, Rogers, I'm sure, has been insufferable for a really long time. You think so? He was amazing. But I get the impression that there's more... I get the impression, though, with Rodgers is that there's a lot of respect within the team for, like, 
what he does on the field. I don't get that vibe with Kyler Murray. I don't know if it... There's just something about the 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 whole experience, and it's. It, I know what you're saying about how most of their points in this game came from him doing something like magical on his own, almost. But like, I mean, I know that the roster is poorly constructed, and this is on Steam Kime, and I know that Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible head coach, and we've been shouting it from the rooftops. But at the same time, like those sorts of teams with bad players with bad coaches can still do reasonably fine if there's actual like spirit and motivation behind it and sometimes that's got to come from a leader somewhere and if you're paying a guy 250 million dollars that has to be that has to be where it starts from yeah yeah i i i get it i think i i just think too much blame is laid at his feet for bad contract decisions that inflate his like standing within the team I mean it, it could just be the case maybe it is maybe it is but it's just a just a, a it's just a thing that I think has just been like gnawing away just a tiny bit <laughs> like every time that we do one of these podcasts and we have to talk about the Cardinals again it's like oh yeah the team has absolutely no motivation behind it and it turns out that there's also just like a bunch of shit coming out and oh great i wonder whose fault it is and it's always can I, can like three people for a second. yeah go on we don't actually have to talk about the cardinals <laughs> we don't yeah i don't i don't want to talk about this game for one second longer let's not moving on you then. in hell <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus okay um Let's uh, let's move on then to the rest of the games. Uh, starting with Bengals twenty, Titans sixteen at Nissan Stadium. Um, Titans lost this game on a rough in the kicker call that then enabled the Bengals to carry on their drive and they scored a game winning touchdown. Uh, yeah, yikes. Um, there was more problems in this Titans performance. Derrick Henry only running for 38 yards on 17 carries, which isn't great considering how important he is to their good form over the last few weeks. Um, but on the other end, Cincinnati did all right. Samaj P. Ryan again scored another touchdown. Um, T. Higgins is absolutely balling out in the absence of Jamar Chase. Be interesting to see whether or not they continue to look his way a little bit more with Chase apparently set to come back this week um, yeah I'd say that a, a well deserved and well earned Bengals win but the Titans will be kicking themselves yeah I mean this this did seem like a classic kind of Titans performance like the stay in it kind of against most odds but like it was such a Stupid penalty. The the long snapper like didn't even. He was literally still staring at the ground. Like there was no semblance of like a possibility that he could have been like he could have had his head up, not be defenseless. It was stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one was just like. <sighs> I mean, the the Bengals are probably going to win the division, right? If the Ravens keep. Messing around, and um, to me, it seems fairly likely that the Titans are going to win their sorry ass division as well. But 
it's one of those that are just like it is time to for 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 all these teams who are there or thereabouts in the playoff picture, like the fifth and sixth seeds, to make a start making a statement. I don't think either of these teams made a statement in this game. The Titans, to me, feel like they're just going to get dumped out in the first game they play. But the Bengals, with getting Jamar Chase back, like I know you say like T. Higgins would be the wide receiver one on half the teams in the league, but getting Jamar Chase is going to make them and is going to take their offense probably another level up as long as he's healthy. Yeah. Um, so the, the the Bengals for me are a team to watch. Yeah, they've got a little bit more firepower about them. Um, when you get off to a slow start, sometimes team uh, people start like over uh, over analyzing things, but they seem to have gotten it right again. Uh, although they are having a hot November, so maybe maybe they won't do shit because don't win a Super Bowl with a with a good November. But you never know. I do believe that they are a better team than they were five weeks ago, which is saying a lot. Um, and they will likely continue to get better as well as as we get into these later months. Um, yeah, wonder watch. Um, Next game is Broncos 10, Panthers 23. All hail, Sam Darnold. All hail. Bow down to his one good game a season. For he has scalped Russell Wilson to the point where his own defensive player started aggressively yelling at him on the sidelines when they were down 23-3. to Oh dear. Nice, okay, man. They're on the same page. They just want to win. You got yeah. that, you got <laughs> yeah. that dog. <laughs> that dog got put down a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just... the, the, this team stinks. Fucking hopeless. Oh, I, annoying. I, I picked this team, and I hate myself for it. You Honestly, I don't know why... <laughs> there's there's some kind of like final stand that's been going on for like five weeks. Stop picking the Broncos. It doesn't matter it's who they play. We know they're bad, but every week they set a new precedent for how bad they actually are. And they do it against a team that's significantly worse coming into it. Like the the Panthers have started like three different players at quarterback every single game for the last five or six weeks for varying reasons. They get Sam Darnold they... back off of injury, and why does? Why is Sam Darnold winning this game? Realistically, Carolina were not the worst team coming into this game. Like they've had a great few weeks. It is actually it's like, it's it's embarrassing to the point where like Denver had probably the most hype about them um, in terms of oh they've finally got their quarterback and and this is it and they have a worse record than teams as bad as the Raiders, the Colts, the Steelers, the Panthers. The Packers. The Packers. <laughs> the Lions. There are so many moribund and dreadful teams that have gotten better records than the Denver Broncos <laughs> this season. And they're paying Russell, Millia- uh, Russell Wilson $50 million a year for oh. fucking six more years to have the pleasure of this. Like we, do, we don't have to talk about Carolina. Like, there is nothing to be gained from it. 
But I, I, I'm gonna ask you both to do something which I don't want to ask. Is it to it swear cause, an oath? <laughs> it may cause you some degree of psychic harm. Okay. But imagine for for just ah. a moment <laughs> that you were part owner of the Denver Broncos. Okay, what the so fuck do you fuck. do? Like, <laughs> at, well, yeah, first you buy a golden toilet, and then what do you do? Buy a golden shower. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, this this team, as is, is unfixably bad. Like, you've if you do decide to bail on Russell Wilson, it, it financially cripples you for at least two years. But then, like, where the fuck are you? Well, (laughs) how could anyone possibly feel worse about a team? So let's let's brainstorm this then. So we got uh, Robson Walton, right? Sam Robson Walton, uh, the dude who earns the Broncos. Uh, He's from Mm. Oklahoma, so, all right. All right, now. My name's... Oh, my daddy built the Walmart Empire. I ain't gonna sit by and watch Russell Wilson tear down the Denver Empire. I'm out of this. That picture of Rosa Parks. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I've been waiting for like, I've been waiting for something because I just can't, I. I can't understand how badly it's going. And well, like... Hackett's gone at the end of this year, right? There's absolutely oh, no oh, chance oh, that, that Nathaniel Hackett stays as as a man as a as a as a head coach of an NFL team. Uh, there's there's very little doubt that he doesn't get a job as a head coach of an NFL team other than for the oh, Texans no. in five years. Um, unless he has like, like ever a, again, unless he has like a a Dan Quinn esque resurgence. Like as an OC somewhere, like he's he is, he's not touching that chair again. It's great because he's rich. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, honestly, no. Also, when I just looked up uh, Sam Robson Walton, I uh, I noticed that his his cousin is is also Stan Kroenke's wife, I think. Which is something to keep my eye out for, because... I don't know anything about Arsenal Football Club. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's... Please move on. Please. Okay, imagine this for a second. And killing yourself is not an option. You're the owner of the Denver Broncos. Be careful, though. It's spicy. <laughs> he, oh. he just sits in his desk, placing. Sits uh, in his desk. He sits. He sits <laughs> yeah, at his fair. desk every day, placing an unloaded revolver to his head. Because <laughs> what? what else can he do? Jesus! <laughs> Fucking hell! This got hey, dark. Hey, hey, let's let's get out of here, please. They, Den- they Denver is off strong anyway. What? Fucking Robson Walton <laughs> sat in his desk. <laughs> Get out. Please. Who do you think set that have... fire? <laughs> they could have like six straight weeks of like Russell Mania. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Yeah, but it'd have to be like WrestleMania but in the Vince McMahon era where it's like 85% bad. <laughs> well, he, he'll in the final game play like, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill and then the loser gets their head shaved. <laughs> oh. Okay, pull, pull the ripcord. <laughs> Please, get us out of here. Um... <laughs> Gonna go then to a pair of teams that are actually either in the playoffs or on the outside of the playoff picture. Washington Commanders pick up another win, maybe one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Seven and five at the moment, 30, uh, nineteen to thirteen winners over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, funny that the Falcons are five and seven and, and uh, also a game back on 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 the playoffs because the whole NFC South dropped back below five hundred this week. Good job. Very good job. Proud of the whole division for that one. Nice work. Uh, but the Washington Commanders are actually in the playoffs, which means that the whole AFC, uh, NFC East is in the postseason as it stands if the season ended today. What a time to be alive. Brian Robinson is playing very good football, considering that he got shot 10 weeks ago. What a time to be alive. Okay. Even without that, he's playing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. If obviously the the commanders are playing well, we can't take that away from them. But if either of you has one thing that you actually want to talk about from this game that is not the extra large novelty hat, I I don't know what know what i could possibly say to fix you well why don't we talk about the novelty hat then for people that don't know <laughs> since, since, since you've led us here since you've led us astray fine we'll talk about the well why don't we talk about the statue instead i mean it's a good oh. point it is a good point no, but, but can we start with the hat and then and then <laughs> Okay, that was a big hat, wasn't it? It looked pretty funny. It, it was. It's like a Thirty Rock joke come to life. It's it, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and it's also the best thing I've ever seen. And I want them to just carry well. on your business like I'm not wearing that hat. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, God, he's such a good friend. Like. Wouldn't you be friends with someone if they gave you a hat like that? Mr. Robinson, your hat is making a buzzing noise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's just like full of, is he being like co-opted by the CIA to get like <laughs> what day on Dan Snyder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe really big, like nineteen seventy eight tape recorder in. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have enough dirt on Dan Snyder. They have to enact the big hat protocol. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you aware that perhaps you have a bee in your bonnet? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Um, yeah, and then the the other thing, as Matt sort of briefly mentioned, uh, is that the Washington Commanders, um, in 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 their typical fashion, once a year. Right in the middle of a Dan Snyder 
like tribunal or controversy will just mm-hmm. suddenly remember, oh yeah, here's a guy that everybody likes. How can we use that for good publicity? Again, it was Sean Taylor. Uh, this time they uh, erected a memorial installation, inverted commas, um, which everybody sort of thought would be a statue. They didn't expect it to be a, a mannequin taken from J.C. Penney's with the old uh, redacted name uh, for <laughs> Sean Taylor on on it, and that was it. Just a just a, a redacted uniform with Sean Taylor. On a, on a like, on a faceless, empty, hollow mannequin, which is just about the the best description for the Washington football team for the last twenty five years, an empty husk like, mannequin. <laughs> not even like a, a replica of a, a, like a uniform that he wore, or an actual uniform that he wore. Like they just piece it together. Like none of it was the same make. The the boots were like. Adidas World Cup boots. Oh my god! Like... I didn't even pay attention to the to the <laughs> to the actual like quality of everything. I saw that it was the redacted uniform because my first point was because on that first video it didn't look like it was that. It looked like it was the current commander's uniform, in which I was like, oh. that would be that would be. I don't know which it whether it'd be worse to have the old uniform with the with the racism on or the new uniform that he clearly would have <laughs> never worn obviously it just it was all just wrong the whole thing was just a farce again it's just not a good franchise yeah not a well, good I, team I'm, i mean hey you know they're winning that hat them. was big wasn't it that hat was really <laughs> yeah. it was a big fucking hat didn't hear anything about hat um <laughs> The, like they've been doing very, <laughs> they've been doing very well, but like their their stretch like from here is like pretty rough. Well, kind of. They have giants by giants, Niners redacted cowboys. Like I could see them winning two of winning. those. Two, yeah, and but nine like, and eight might get them into the postseason from the NFC. In the NFC, yeah, absolutely will. Yeah, I can't believe how long we spent talking about this game. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I really can't. Yeah, how God, we haven't even talked about Mike White yet. Yeah, we're gonna just go straight into that. Uh, Jets, thirty, Jets, thirty-one, <laughs> Bears, ten. Mike White started over Zach Wilson, who was uh, hilariously benched. Uh, and then threw 22 of 28, 315 yards and three touchdowns. So, um, good job, Zach Wilson. You are going to be in the CFL in a year and a half. Good good shit. You might actually be able to go and play in the XFL because maybe they'll want you. Um, also, Eddie Jackson uh, picked up a, a pretty gnarly-looking injury. They might be shutting him down for the rest of the season. It says indefinitely on, yes, on yeah. his thing. Um, which isn't good because the Bears were already a bad secondary at the moment and now they get significantly worse. Shame. Uh, we, we, my biggest talking point for this one is that we almost got Nathan Peterman playing a game in the NFL in 2022. Well, that so, close. We were so close. <laughs> so, so close. But then Trevor Simeon came back in and played 
really quite middling and not notable at all. Yeah. I've been, I've literally been staring at the the like slate for this episode, trying to think of a Syrian mobile disco joke. <laughs> and here it is. Hour and a half, and I've got nothing. Oh. It's all right because Trevor Simeon was looking at the playbook for an hour and a half, and <laughs> he's got nothing either. Well, yeah, oh, I, I, I call him Simeon Mobile Disco because he thinks that he can run on a play, but then his feet get stuck to the floor. <laughs> right. Uh, there were three <laughs> other games played this week. We, I don't even really have any other talking points about Wait, any of them. I mean, just to, like, before we, like, put a ball we... in this game's head, like, it, it is ridiculous how... I mean, Mike White played well. But, like, it's ridiculous how average quarterback play needs to be, like... For this team to really do well, yeah, it, they just needed to be standard, and they and they would win. <laughs> yeah, thirty-one to ten against the Bears because the Jets are a, are a quite good team this year, and that is that is the sad reality of Zach Wilson's career is that he was an active detriment to the New York Football Jets, and now they've just taken off. They could, they could, they could just continue to absolutely bully teams as well. Um, just really quite funny. Uh, three other games we played this week. I don't stop me if you have any talking points about these. Okay. Texans fifteen at Dolphins thirty. Anyone? Two. Well, two. Two was benchful at the whole second half. Like they they had backups playing. Yeah, and funnily enough, they actually almost had to bring him back in, I thought, at one point. <laughs> um, which, you know, little ha-ha chuckle. Um, <laughs> Rams 10, Chiefs 26 at Arrowhead. Bryce uh, Perkins. Yeah, who's yeah, Bryce I don't know, he's played many snaps and... and yeah. Rams just stink. Maybe they can get a quarterback with the third overall pick. It's funny because they don't have it. It's Detroit who has it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it's really something. Oh, so proud of them. Um, and then finally, uh, Saints nothing shut out by the 49ers who scored thirteen points. Ooh, no, and tried. no, gosh darn hard. <laughs> I'm so sick of had... the of the Saints was... this year. Andy Dalton was the leading rusher with 21 yards. Yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. Oh. Chris Olave is playing really well as well, which is the the problem is that they have yeah. one exceptional talented wide receiver, and absolutely nobody knows what to do with any of it. Yeah, they've put all their talent eggs in one talent basket, and now they're paying for it. It is funny, because you would have thought going in that Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Andrew would be pretty good. And yet, here we are. I thought you'd be wrong. Maybe they should go back to the guy with a broken back. Yeah, why not? Yeah, fuck it. Let Jameis do it. Jameis, no! 
yeah, you can you can find whatever whenever we go doing one of these again over the next month uh, on all good podcast places. You know where to look because you're listening right now. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at, at StiffLipPod. Sam, have you got a closing remark for us at all? Um, uh, uh, go, go, Stockaroos. Wonderful. I'm really proud. They did it. <laughs> they really did. Let's, uh... For fuck's sake. I forgot how long <laughs> this went on for. <laughs>